0: hey everyone welcome back to the i5 corridor podcast tyson Alger here joined by aiden schneider uh aiden long time man how you doing doing good i'm glad to be back how are you i'm i'm good so i know there's like there's a lot of things that we need to catch up on but the thing that you know we we haven't talked in, in quite a bit and the thing that's on been most on my mind is as somebody who has sported the mustache years before Top Gun came back to theaters and kind of you know gave it a, a second boost, like were you were you honored or were you kind of upset that this became the the mustache, the rooster mustache became uh, a trend this summer because you know you were you were in on this way before it was cool.
1: I was honored. I I can't say I was offended because I don't feel like I can own the mustache. There have been any, been many great mustached men before me. There'll be many great ones after. But uh, it was kind of nice for that to be- become a little more mainstream and make a comeback. <laughs>
0: uh all right. So for, for everyone, uh uh maybe we have some new listeners, but Aiden and I uh we did the first season of the i5 corridor podcast following the 2021 duck season. Um and we're gonna we're gonna do it again here in 22. Uh I think our last podcast was probably like six months ago. And at this point, people are probably tired of me. So, like, what have you been doing?
1: Uh, honestly, not a whole lot. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm actually between jobs right now, um, enjoying a little bit of freedom, been traveling, gone up to Canada, went down to California for a little while. Um, yeah, it's, it's been nice to, to take a little bit of time off. And I feel like I've been spending a lot of time waiting for football season. So I'm glad it's here. And I could really tell that that was the case. When I realized how excited I was to watch Pitt in West Virginia last night. Sorry, that, that about something it up.
0: That, like, just the storylines of that game of, like, Keaton Slovis going against Daniels and, like, that leading into this football weekend where you have the Oregon Georgia game, which I think is, um, one of probably one of the best, like, f- storylines for any game this season, especially for week one where, You have Oregon going up against the defending national champions. You have Dan Lanning going up against his former team. Um, You know, 247 Sports put out their, their team composite rankings yesterday, just kind of like basically putting together all the recruiting classes from the last four years. And Oregon comes out at number seven overall nationally in terms of total team talent. So, you know, like this isn't... You know, this isn't David versus Goliath that's happening on Saturday. It's, it's It might be a Goliath versus a really, really, really big Goliath. But I, like, I'm excited for this game, man. How are you feeling?
1: Yeah, I'm excited too. Um, I think, I, to be honest, I wouldn't say that I'm going to pick Oregon. Yeah. But I really do think they're going to be competitive. And I know a lot's being made of, of Dan Lanning having just left as the defensive coordinator of Georgia, being the new Oregon head coach. And that gets into a whole weird, you know, coaching chess match, like landing left. He knows the defense inside out, but Kirby Smart knows that he knows the defense inside out. And so, you know, hard to say how much of an advantage that really is. Um, I'm, I'm sure it helps to some degree, but I, I really think Oregon's going to be competitive. And, you know, I certainly think they have a chance to win, but I think whatever happens, I think they'll they'll be pretty competitive and it'll be a close one.
0: I, I wanted to ask you a question that I asked uh, name drop coming up uh, Marcus Mariota earlier this week. Uh, you know, just a, we set something up. It was a nice interview. Uh, <laughs> but I asked him, I asked him just after, you know, it's been kind of 10 years since the start of his time with Oregon and there's been multiple coaching changes and everything. And I just like wanted to ask him like how connected he still felt to this program and just kind of like how his feeling as uh, as an alumni of, of Oregon Uh, Or what his feeling of of, as an alumni of Oregon was like, and I want to ask you that, too, because that was kind of like a big push of of Lanning when he was hired of kind of like uh, bringing in past and present all together. And and we've seen that a few times during camp. You know, he brought Gary Campbell back in. Marcus talked a lot about that. Like, how do you feel about like where where this team and program is at as a uh, as a former Oregon player yourself right now?
1: Uh, I feel pretty good about it. I think it was very smart on Lanning's part. I mean, his hand was forced a little bit, but to really, <laughs> you know, focus on, on alumni and and not losing the connection to the, the history of the program. So I think that's great. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, as I've mentioned before, it was a real bummer to see the, the health rich staff and all those long tenured guys along with them uh, get the boot. And, you know, that's, not necessarily the decision I would have made, but I think all things considered, the program's in a good place. Um, I think it was a little rocky when it happened, but I think that the letter was very well intentioned, and I think it it really did accomplish what it wanted to accomplish in the end. So I, you know, I think we got a good coach. We're recruiting well. We got a lot of talent, and uh, I definitely feel like we're heading in the right, right direction.
0: It's uh, it's been fun watching his media availabilities because like they. Like, I I respect Lennon a lot so far because, like, he's let the media do their jobs in the sense of, like, they've been more accommodating um, this last year in terms of granting, like, interview requests and, you know, just trying to help out than at any, basically at any point since the Helfrich era. But if you watch a Lanning press conference, it's some of the dullest stuff you'll ever see. Like, like he's full on, like, the, yep, nope, not going to tell you that. Uh, Why would I tell you that? who, who are you for me to tell you that, (laughs) you know, like, and, and like, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I think the further along I've gotten as a journalist, I've quoted the head coach less and less and less of things as the years have gone by just because they're inclined to tell you less. But, uh, um, what have you kind of made of his approach there? And like, if you're, if you're on that team, are you just like, do you like it when your coach just doesn't give
1: any, any answers to people? i don't know i i don't really understand being that way you know i don't i wouldn't say i have a problem with it but i think i think it's it's beneficial um you know to fans to everyone when you share a little bit more about the program like obviously you don't want to be giving secrets away and like under the health rich staff we had a rule where we're not allowed to comment on injuries and like you know if they some reporter tries to some Tyson shows up and is like so oh, I heard this guy has a fractured ankle like what can you tell me about that that you're not supposed to comment on that but I just I don't think you're really saving much at a certain point and you know I I know that's a very like hardcore football coach type of thing like we're worrying about ourselves no one needs to know anything but I don't even think they released uh uh 2 deep did uh, uh, they?
0: No, they didn't release a depth chart at all. Like which is that's new. <laughs> um
1: and that's and, I don't feel like that I don't feel like that's giving anything away. Like half the time the 2 deep is like this guy or this guy or this guy. It's like, "Oh, great. We're gonna see one of five guys."
0: Not only that, but it's also just like assuming that like whoever's doing the scout for Georgia is just dumb. Like like do you think they're really going off of like the 2 deep that Oregon's putting out as like this is what we're basically basing our film cover. Like, I always, I always find that the funniest thing is like, nobody who is reading the I five corridor is really getting any uh, tactical advantage going into this game. Like, I've, I've always just kind of wanted to ask. Like, maybe I'll ask Dan that next week if, if they win this game and and people are in good spirits. But I want to just be like. What what did you gleam from like the uh the Georgia reporting that, that gave you guys an advantage going into this game? Or is it just you
1: guys are good scouts? <laughs> oh, it's you're good scouts? Well Georgia's probably a good scout. Yeah, I think wasn't it uh I think Kirby Smart had a quote where they were asking him about like what quarterback are you preparing for how's it going to be and he's like i know who's going to be playing quarterback i'm not worried about that and it it just feels so funny that it's like you know we have this advantage and they don't know they're going to have to prepare for both but it it seems it seems like that doesn't give you much of an advantage in the end
0: i i know they do the like the whole we're not going to name a starter because we want like the young player to like still um you know feel like he's in it and fight for reps and all that sort of thing but like I wonder if that's like patronizing at all. If like, you're the backup, who everyone knows is going to be the backup. And it's like, just name the starter. Cause like, here we are, it's Friday, tomorrow they play. We all, we're all assuming it's Bo Nix, but we still have to t- t- like say if, or like we're still talking about it. Like it's, it's turned it in. And I don't think this is a distraction. Like, I don't think this is like a huge national story, but it's still something that it's a topic a day before the game.
1: Yeah. and. I think whatever the position is, you know, I obviously felt this way about kickers and I definitely feel this way about quarterbacks, but I think it's important. um, Not necessarily publicly, but at least internally to name a starter and give a guy a full vote of confidence, because I think what can happen is if you are constantly worried about losing your spot and you feel like you're in a competition, a lot of times you can get into a mental space where you're playing not to make mistakes and you're playing safe. And, you know, maybe you're in a in a quarterback competition and you're worried about throwing an interception so you don't take a risk throwing a deep ball and you're throwing more check downs. And I think in order to get the best out of any player really in sports, they have to know that they can be free to like, Cut it loose and play, and they can make mistakes. And you know, if you make too many mistakes, ultimately, you're not going to be out there. But I think that's that's really important for your confidence to just know that this is my spot to lose.
0: If uh, if Ty Thompson ever ends up being like a success at Oregon, he'll have ended. He'll need to end up having some of like the best, like m- just basically like mental stability of of like any like star player. Because I mean, like even if you look at it this year, like. I mean, he had to fight Anthony Brown last year for a position and he wasn't really given any like leeway in terms of like, hey, you're a true freshman. Maybe just develop at your own pace. He comes into this year. It's another grad transfer coming in. And if he doesn't win the job, people are going to think that he's a bust. And if he does win the job and he struggles right away, it's going to be like, ah, put Bowen. And then next year, Knicks could still conceivably be here. But then you're also bringing in Dante Moore, who is... Uh, in on some lists, like the number one player in this, like this next class, like top, like that kid's gotta be stressed all the freaking time, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that kind of just goes along with the whole new environment of college football where, you know, everyone can transfer. And I feel like, especially for quarterbacks, it's just like Kind of spin the roulette wheel and and see where you end up. So, well, that was
0: what you texted me. What what was that stat that you texted me last night? Like something like forty six percent of transfer quarterbacks or are, are, are starting quarterbacks are
1: transfers this year. Yeah, which is in, throughout all of FBS, which is insane. Like half the quarterbacks are transfers, and I feel like that's just a strange dynamic. And that was highlighted in the uh, the Pitt West Virginia game where you have two former USC teammates. You know, one uh, JT Daniels, who went to Georgia um, and then lost out to Stetson Bennett and then transferred to West Virginia and then Keaton Slovis, who went to Pitt. It's just it's so bizarre to see two teammates in the same quarterback room on the West Coast from 2019 playing <laughs> each other in, <laughs> in the middle of the country in 2022.
0: Yeah. Could, could you imagine if someone would have told those guys in 2019, like, hey, in 2022, you guys are going to be. The game of the week in week one, in week one, other side of the country. Did you see that punt last night that the 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 fake punt where the guy ended up punting it like 10 yards in front of the line of scrimmage? Oh, I, I, I didn't see like the the full play. I saw a really quick clip of it, though. That was incredible. Uh, I, I forget which teams it was, but it was it was like a fourth and 15. They go for the fake punt. He covers about 13 yards of it and like knows that he's just about to get like walloped. And then so, so he just like, and like he, he very well may have gotten, like gotten to the first down if he doesn't just, just full on, full <laughs> on kick it. And just, uh just seeing his heart crush when he realizes kind of like what he did and like going to the <laughs> sidelines. It was, it was chef's kiss, beautiful week one oh, football. It's,
1: it's, it's a full on self preservation moment. He just, he didn't want to take that hit. <laughs> we, we might have covered this on, uh, podcast last year but did you ever did you ever take a a good hit uh i think i got tackled once in college against eastern washington <laughs> it was horrible i should have had um i should have had a walk in two point conversion like it was schemed up perfectly then taylor alley who was our holder at the time he told me in practice like he was probably 50-50 joking but he was like i'm not going to throw you the ball even if the read's <laughs> there, but I'm, I'm not gonna throw it to you. And so I like, I ran out there, and it was it was one of the swinging gates. I ran out there. I'm like, of course they're not gonna give me the ball. It's always covered. And then I had to do a double take. I was like, it's open. We have we have a double team to this linebacker, and it's just gonna be a walk in. And then they never came off the double team. And I feel like the softest football player of all time because i got tackled (laughs) once and i got a pretty bad charlie horse like i got a knee straight to the thigh and oh my god this was going into michigan state week my sophomore year and there was like i couldn't kick the first couple days of the week after that and there was like real question in my mind as to whether i was gonna play and i i knew i couldn't miss that game but it was (laughs) it was kind of scary there for a minute
0: it's uh it's funny how different a year makes going into this game uh over in atlanta like i think people are pretty confident in camden lewis at this point i i think he kind of really had that redemption season last year and and that shouldn't you know obviously these things can change year to year but i think oregon feels pretty confident there like i don't know what the heck they're doing at punter um you know with tom snee leaving the team and um, you know, granted, you know I don't think punting probably brings the the type of butterflies uh, that maybe uh, kick, you know, kick uh, field place kicking does. But we'll be interesting to see how uh, Oregon special teams looks.
1: Yeah, and I know that was that was a bit of a weak point last year, um, at least as far as coverage and return teams were concerned. So I know they'll be putting an emphasis on that. But yeah, curious to see how the punting situation ends up. And I think that's an often overlooked spot um, at a lot of programs and it's really important to have like, if you can have an all league punter on your team, that's, that's a huge asset to your defense. And especially in the type of games uh, like the one this weekend against Georgia, it really is true that every yard matters and you know, a a bad punt in the second quarter could end up being the difference in the game. So I think having that emphasis is going to be really important.
0: I saw, um, Portland state nearly upset San Jose state last night, a little FCS, FBS action, Oregon state and Boise state kickoff on Saturday. That should be a pretty fun early, early test for, uh, uh, the Beavers. I, I don't think I've ever said this before, but I really like Oregon state's defense, uh, especially there. They bring back like seven guys in the secondary, a lot of like in-state guys too. Like, um, you know, I, I was, I talked to Mike Parker, Oregon state's broadcaster, uh, about a month ago and he was just saying that like he's just excited for like one last normal Pac-12 football season um before like kind of all the chaos of conference realignment really comes and uh I I think Oregon and Oregon State are both kind of shaping up as as two teams who should you know kind of run the north this season.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I growing up, I was always kind of neutral between Oregon and Oregon State. I liked I liked Oregon a little more, but this might not be a popular opinion, but I'm I'm rooting for the Beavers to do well. You know, I I can't say the same for the Huskies, but I think <laughs> it's exciting and it's for the rivalry when the Civil War means something at the end of the year. And I think I think we're heading in a direction where that's gonna be the case a bit more consistently.
0: I think the uh, the Week Three uh, Portland State Montana State game at Providence Park is gonna be awesome. Like I, I think it'd just be so cool to watch. You know, full D1 football in, in Portland. I I wish they would play the the Oregon Oregon State game there. Uh, they they did a few times back. Uh, you know, decades and decades and decades ago. But um, it be I just think football in Portland would be be a, a rad watch on a on a fall Saturday. Oh, it would be great. They should totally do that. I c- I kind of feel like they won't, but they should. Yeah. Well, I what Providence Park is like twenty seven thousand now. I think it. Yeah, actually that sounds about right. Yeah, like like or, Oregon anyways isn't if it's their home game, they're not going to cash trade in the that extra 20,000 seats just to come play up in Portland. Maybe for a non-conference game, but
1: Yeah, that would that'd be awesome. Save a lot of I-5 traffic.
0: Uh, what do you think of Marcus on the Falcons?
1: It's exciting. I think I mean, <laughs> he's not necessarily in the best situation for success. Um, considering the team that he's on. But he does have Drake London. He does have Kyle Pitts. And man, I, that would just be the best story for him to, to redeem himself and, and have a good year. I mean, I know Oregon fans would be thrilled about that, but I think NFL fans should be too. He's like, you know, maybe I'm biased, but he's such an incredibly likable guy. And I think it's so cool that he's getting a second chance. How how big of a celebrity is
0: Justin Herbert now? Like could could you text him and would he text you back or is is or is he just long gone at at this point? You know, is is he Hollywood Herbert? No. He I think he texts me back. I haven't texted him <laughs> in a little bit, but yeah. We're 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 not we're not going to put you on the spot and testing it, but I was just you know, I was looking at some of the uh, you know, like Russell Wilson's contract that he just got. Like Justin Herbert's going to be able to buy the Trailblazers in like ten years. Like I'm, I'm convinced that Justin Herbert is going to own the Portland Trailblazers because he's, he'll, pro- he's probably going to end up getting like a 270 million dollar contract on his next
1: deal. Yeah, I was just talking about that the other day with, with how well he's done in the league so far, and so, so quickly. Contract. Yeah,
0: like, like he'll get, he'll you get know, two contracts
1: yeah yeah with with the timing it just it works out perfectly where he's going to be probably in that range of biggest contract ever
0: as as someone who's grown up in oregon if you had three like 300 million dollars and you were retiring in oregon like like what would you do with that money in this state
1: like like where would you live i mean i think i'd still want to live in portland honestly i think there's a lot of great places but being able to get out to the coast, being able to get to the mountain so closely, you know, maybe and it'd be a lot more I efficient that, with your helicopter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, th- I think I'd probably, I don't know if I'd be fully in the city, but I think I'd like to be close. Okay. I'm just, I'm not really into the whole country, small town lifestyle. Well, you know you you could
0: have uh, you could have sev- several homes. Um, see, that's the nice thing about uh, being as talented as we were during our NFL careers is we have we earn that luxury. <laughs> uh well, I got a flight to catch. Anything? Anything else you got, Aiden? Before uh, and and hey, everyone, uh, thanks for being lenient with us. As uh, uh, I think this is a. Uh, Again, our first one in like six months or so. It's, I'm, I'm very inconsistent with when we, we record these, but I think we'll be back to weekly. Uh, uh, Shane and I are going to do our, our Monday recaps um, of, of stories we wrote from the weekend, and then Aiden and I are going to uh, kind of do game preview and talk about the random bullshit that we talk about sometimes. But
1: <laughs> It's going to be great, and I think my, my parting words for today are, I think Oregon's going to cover. Yeah, like I think they'll cover, like
0: <laughs> What is it? It's 17 they should, and a half? They Yeah. Or or in in the words of Marcus, that's the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard.
1: So <laughs> I don't All right. I don't know I don't know if I'd go that far cuz I I could see why the lines where it is. Like if you look at top 4 college football playoff teams playing number 11, that can get out of hand quickly. So I I see the justification for the line, but I really do think they're going to cover.
0: Well, and it could be, like, one of those things, too, where, like, it's, like, a two-possession game, or, like, it's, like, a one- or two-possession game for most of the game, and then maybe there's, like, a fourth-quarter pick-six that, like, ruins the... Or, like, a kickoff return. Like, Oregon's thrown all of its punches, and then know the the third string five star at 11 <laughs> god the george is good george is good don't get your hopes up oregon fans but it should be a good start to the college football season uh tyson alger hayden schneider we will be back next week thanks for listening have a safe flight we're back baby Woo! You're listening to The I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider.